Welcome everybody to Wrestling Is Cool, the coolest wrestling podcast on the planet. And the podcast continues to go on its world tour, bringing in new guest hosts. And today we have veteran wrestling content creator, Conman167. Oh yes, veteran. Veteran, you're wow. Old, you're 28 an, you're an and I'm a veteran, eh? <laughs> you're an old man in this world. You've been doing it for a while though. Dude, it's been like 11 years that I've been creating content, been talking about wrestling since mid-2016. Like, this has been a heck of a journey, and now I'm sitting here talking with you, one of the one of the fastest-growing wrestling creators on the biz. And I'm not trying to glaze you like you glazed Dom, but I'm telling you, man, you have been doing an incredible job. So thank you for having me here. I do appreciate it. Yes, give me all the praise. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, shucks, why? No, yeah, come on, give it to me. That's right. Give me all the love, baby. <laughs> Well, folks, uh, if you're joining us on YouTube, it means that you are watching this a few days late because you could be watching this three days early over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash SantiZap. You're going to get the Wrestling is Cool podcast three days early. You're going to get the Raw Review, SmackDown Review, SmackDown Review. Wait, hang on. Raw Reviews, NXT Reviews, SmackDown Reviews. I knew there was a third one. We added in a new one in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Uh, and you're going to get any other content that just doesn't appear on YouTube. So come check it out. Patreon.com slash for more wrestling content. There's over already like 250 of you that are already pledging over there. So thank you for your support and helping keep the lights on and the mics on. But as many of you already know, the podcast is on a world tour of bringing in new guest hosts. We've brought in uh, Con Man himself. We've known each other, what, like eight months or so? Yeah. Yeah, about that. I think we started chatting about a year ago, and then we met at AEW Forbidden Door. Oh, that's right. It was Forbidden Door that we met at. I thought it might have been like a Raw. It was It was AEW, right? Yeah, it was AEW. At least I'm pretty sure. Uh, that. Yeah, we went and sat at Real Sports. That's, that's right. We had a right. little chit-chat there over a few drinky poos. That's right. Folks that think that I hate AEW, listen, I've been to <laughs> AEW shows. I was... Say what? one good thing about AEW. <laughs> uh... It's fun. No, I'm just kidding. I actually do like AEW. I like the, uh, I think the most important, most valuable thing about AEW right now uh, for a consumer is that it gives you an alternative option if you don't like WWE, right? More options is a good thing, right? You don't like this? Okay, I'll go watch that. Uh, And now that TNA is maybe rebuilding itself, now we might have even more options to go watch. From an industry point of view, it's incredibly important because it just gives people the opportunity to go work somewhere else if they have a toxic work environment in one particular company. And two, it lets them get the bag. It lets them negotiate. Because like if if these other companies don't exist, they're just negotiating against themselves and they're never going to be able to to bump themselves up and pay. And I want these guys that are in gals that are putting their bodies on the line to get to get paid, dude. Absolutely spot on. Like it, it's great if you have other places to work, people can put more food on the table for their family. It's, it's a good thing as a whole. Well, Con, the re- the podcast is called Wrestling is Cool. And I, I called it Wrestling is Cool because to me, this is the easiest, most to the to the point way to explain to someone why I watch wrestling. I always because it's cool, dude. It's cool. These guys are real life superheroes in the ring, except there's no there's no next take. If you if you mm-hmm. fuck up. It's done. It's embarrassing. It. You could get yep. you could get injured even. Like these guys are putting their bodies on the line to do some real awesome choreographed television and it's cool. So I always ask my guests, why do you think that wrestling is cool? Well, here, I'm going to take you back a little bit here. So I grew up in a household where the only thing that was really on was hockey. That was it. We were a diehard Toronto Maple Hockey Leaf night fan. in Canada. Uh, Yeah, every Saturday, it didn't matter what we were doing. We were either going to our neighbor's house or we had people over, and that's what we watched. But secretly, 
not really secretly, but yeah, I wasn't actively telling my parents I'm a wrestling fan, right? I'm sitting here and I'm watching wrestling every single Monday, taping every single Friday or Thursday or Tuesday, depending on when SmackDown was on. And I just watched it like it was like it was my favorite thing in the world. And while we were talking about hockey and talking about where's this person going, where who's going to sign who, secretly I'm thinking who's going to have the WrestleMania match. And for me, it was just such a cool thing to get into and to follow for all of those years. And the fact that, you know, I didn't ever stop watching. It was just something that always followed me all the way through until I started doing YouTube. And once I did YouTube, it opened up this whole community of people to start chatting with, talking wrestling. And I, at that point, I realized, hey, there's a lot of wrestling fans out there because it is so much fun to watch, because it's so cool. And so, yeah, for wrestling, it's just a really cool thing that can bring everybody together. It's it's such a wonderful sport. Um, how did your parents react when you came out of the closet as a wrestling fan? Uh, well, you know what? They still haven't been to a show with me, so uh, we'll say that. They're not supportive. They're like, I just don't believe in this lifestyle. I love you, Ka I love you, Khan, as my son, but as a wrestling okay. fan, I could never accept you as that. 100%. My dad, he was like, is Ravishing Ric Flair still wrestling? I'm like, oh my god. You just combined Ravishing Rick Rude and Ric Flair. We're not getting anywhere with this. <laughs> ravishing Ric Flair. Dude, first of all, that's actually a wicked name. <laughs> like, unintentionally, the Ravishing Ric Flair. Uh, you know what? That's that's Ric Flair's new gimmick in AEW, all right? The, the, he'll bring out the woo energy drinks. He'll be ravishing. I know we have we have topics here, and I don't want you, Khan, to get hung up on the topics. If we ever want to jump into a tangent, we can jump into Attention. What the hell, AEW and, and Ric Flair? Why? Whoa! Why? Why is this still a thing, dude? And you like, gotta sell that mushroom elixir, it, dude. It's not even like he gets. Oh, like a little bit of like TV time, maybe like a one-off segment. No, he gets like segments. He gets like prime time moments yeah. on Collision and Dynamite. I don't get it, but uh, look, this is I, I've. I've been known to gripe about AEW every now really? and then. And this this is one of those things that I've yet to find an AEW to really be able to properly give me the apology or the reason for it. And I, I, do, well, I have a theory. I have a tell theory me. as to why he's there. Sting, right? Sting's on his retirement tour and Ric Flair and Sting have so much history. But... Does he? Does the show need to open with Ric Flair when the focus is on Sting? Absolutely not. No. Does the does the Woo energy drink need to be in every Sting segment? Absolutely not. But uh, it's yeah. So I, I don't know what else to say about that. They just they gotta make that Mercedes Monet money somehow, right? They they gotta find a way to bring in the revenue. And you when they're dropping dropping millions on Adam Copeland, you know, maybe maybe the Woo elixir is gonna bring in Monet. Yeah, I know. I, I know we're harping on AEW here, uh, but one of my biggest pieces of advice that I've always uh, given to no one, because no no one from AEW listens to this, but <laughs> you know, I like to believe that it's it's sound advice is that they really, they desperately need to turn Ring of Honor into a proper farm system mm -hmm. into their AEW main roster, not try and do this bastardized version of it where it's this kind of on TV, kind of part of their main show with all of these titles that appear on their main television, putting titles uh, from Ring of Honor on these main guys like Claudio and and Jericho and and, and yeah. Samoa Joe. That was weird. They need to they need to have their NXT. 
They need mm -hmm. to create a system that feeds stars into the AEW main roster because otherwise they're just going to continue to have to shell out millions for free agents. The WWE Absolutely. doesn't have to do that. They can, sure, but okay, could they, could they spend millions of dollars on Mercedes Monet? It'd be cool, but you know what also be cool? It'd be cool if they brought up Braun Breaker because they got a star right there that they could just bring yep. up that would be an instant impact player to the main roster. That's something that AEW doesn't have that I desperately want them to work on over the next couple of years. Now, it took WWE... Jesus, dude, how long was FCW a thing? Like, oh my God. It, it was a while before it like truly became 20, like a proper farm system. What was it? What was it? NXT became a thing like the actual NXT that we know now, like what, 2012, 2013, I, somewhere around I there? I think it's around The launch there. of the WWE Network, somewhere around there. Ballpark, ballpark. And then before that, it was a few years of FCW. Then yep. there was this like gap year where they didn't really have like a proper farm system because there was the no OVW. Show. Yeah, the, yeah the, game the game show NXT, which was trash. Uh, so like, I know that this system takes a while, but it's already paying off big time for the WWE. You look at oh, the yeah. guys that they have in NXT right now, the women as well. Like, mm -hmm. like some of the women right now, I'm going to throw a name out there. And I think this, this, this is going to be a huge star on the main roster. That's just a hidden gem in NXT lash legend. That woman is a goddamn beast, an absolute beast. That's just a hidden gem that they could at any moment pull the trigger on and bring to the main roster, dude. They, it, they've got it so down pack in the WWE and they need to do that in AEW. Absolutely. And the way that you're saying that, it, here's the thing. Ring of Honor is a well-known brand in the wrestling world. You know, maybe it's not known to to mom and dad and, and Jerry down the street who just watches wrestling once uh, once in a blue moon. But to wrestling fans, it's well-known. And that's what you're looking for when creating a developmental system. I thought that's what Tony Khan was going to do when he announced that he was bringing in Ring of Honor, you know? Yeah, all right, let's put some titles on some of our main guys to get people to watch it and then drop the titles to some of the developmental talent, kind of how they did with NXT 2.0, right? You had all the NXT black and gold guys put over the new talent, and that would have made a lot of sense to do with Ring of Honor. But instead, they just kept adding championships and having throwaway matches and then having your best women's wrestler at the time in Athena holding on to the Ring of Honor Women's Championship, putting on a great story with her minions, that could have been on the main roster. You know, when we talk about the women's division in AEW, a lot of people have complaints about it because it's just so short-sighted. It's, oh, one week we're doing this, and then another week we're going to throw Sky Blue in a match, and there's one women's segment. That whole story with the Ring of Honor women's title and the minions should have been on the main roster, right? But... You can't do that when it's the Ring of Honor Women's Champion. I couldn't have said it better myself, man. Like, it's it's right there. It's like the biggest glaring problem that I have with AEW, and I hope they fix it soon. Okay, folks, I know that this is known as the, as the AEW Hater Podcast. For some weird reason, <laughs> it just always turns into this. But we're going to move away from AEW. We're sorry. I, I, I tried. I'm trying to make it a New Year's resolution to be nicer to AEW. I still watch it every week. I want to clarify that. I'm still there. But, you hate watch though. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, I, I explained to Khan and a couple of other wrestling content creators that the reason why I have such a grudge with AEW is because I'll not watch and then it'll be amazing. 
It'll be like, oh my God, I missed out on Danielson MJF. Oh my God, I missed out on Hangman and Swerve. Like I'll stop watching and then I'll hear it's awesome and then I'll come back and then it's shit. Yep. And, and then it's how they get be, you, man. It's how they get you. I know. And then it'll be garbage for a month. And then I'm like, I'm done. And then it's amazing again. It's I'm, it, I, hang on, hang on. It'll be garbage for a month. Then they'll give you a pay per view, and then things will generally be like, ah, oh, things are fine except for World's End. But it, things are fine after the pay per view. They give you one cool thing at the pay per view, like, all right, we're back in AEW, so back. And then it's the Adam <laughs> Copeland versus uh, Griff Garrison. <laughs> Oh man. Show topics. Let's actually talk about the things yeah, that we had planned for today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're talking about the WWE men's main event scene. Con, it is jam-packed right now. We have Roman Reigns in there whenever he wants to grace us with his presence. We have the rest of the bloodline. Randy Orton, LA Knight, AJ Styles, The Rock, Punk, Seth. Drew McIntyre, Cody, the whole of Judgment Day. If you want to throw in Jey Uso in there, you can. This is arguably the most packed that the men's main event scene has been in a very long time. And I want to pose the question or the thought, is there a thing as too much of a good thing? Because we have a lot of awesome stars that at any moment can be plucked in and used for a main event program. Do we have too many? And in having too many, are we going to have some that are going to go by the wayside and uh, maybe end up in some sort of like not mid card, but I think an even worse place to be than the mid card is the in between purgatory between mid card and main event where they have nothing for you. If you have any leaf fan listeners, they're on Roby Island is where they're at right now. Uh, but yeah, I guess there, there could be too much of a good thing. If you really want to look at it that way, like these guys aren't getting their opportunity where they deserve, but in the grand scheme of things, more stars across the card is a good thing. The ability to make your mid card feel bigger. Like, let's use Kofi Kingston and Ludwig Kaiser last night on Monday Night Raw as an example. Two mid card guys. In fact, you could arguably say in 2024, almost on the edge of lower mid card. You know, like, yeah, they're featured in groups and yeah, they're on TV, but they're not necessarily the guys who they're pushing, right? They're not going to have singles sudden, matches on PLEs. Exactly, exactly. And it, now all of a sudden you create a story with Ludwig injuring Kofi Kingston. That just elevates everybody in that story, but it doesn't mean it needs to be a main event story, right? It's just good for the mid-card. And if you are able to plug all these stars into certain mid-card feuds, like let's say Kevin Owens versus Austin Theory and Grayson Waller, yeah, maybe it isn't where you want to see them right now. You'd love to see them hold championship gold, but not everybody can hold gold at the same time, right? So that gives you the ability to just pull people into feuds and elevate other people who are lower on the card, right? Let's say Ludwig all of a sudden gets a match against Gunther down the line, which I think will happen. Um, that elevates Ludwig Kaiser in a whole other level because Gunther is at that main level right now. He is a main event player holding on to a mid-card title. So yeah, in, in short... I don't think it's a bad thing that WWE has all this talent at their fingertips. They just got to figure out a way to maximize the screen time for all of those great talents. I throw a crazy idea at you. And I just, I just want to hear your initial gut reaction. Cause this wasn't in our show notes. What if we had a third show? How are we feeling when? about that? When? <laughs> I, well, I mean, uh, they, Saturday. They, well, they, okay, Oh my God, dude. If they were, no, I doubt they do Saturday, but like, they did this holiday special on a Thursday. 
this like mm -hmm. peacock holiday special uh or like new year special that, that was supposed to have this like grandiose announcement that it ended up being nothing could be like a thursday in there maybe they maybe they toy around with that yeah. um but i guess the third show could be nxt maybe we make nxt bigger I don't know. We've tried that, right? We, we've tried that with NXT, and I think NXT's in a really good place right mm -hmm. now, being the developmental, right? What what happened back in the day? Like, I'm I'm sure you lived through the NXT Black and Gold era, right? Mm -hmm. You said you'd been to NXT Toronto, right? NXT Takeover one Toronto, and two. right? Yeah, one and two. So, like, you experienced the rise of those wrestlers, but one thing that people were saying during that time was, call this person up, call this person up. They'll do so well on the main roster. But then Vince McMahon just straight up wouldn't give them a chance, right? Now they're being given that chance. You see teams like DIY, which were an NXT black and gold stable, a staple actually having an opportunity to move up the ranks and get into a feud with, say, the Judgment Day. So the idea of a third show could work, but I think it would feel very forced as opposed to just trying to put on the best shows possible for Raw and SmackDown and having your developmental brand in NXT. Like Rampage? Like Rampage, yeah, it's forced. <laughs> it's very forced, isn't it? <laughs> Screw it, you know what? If we want to have our own Rampage, let's start airing Main Event live, all right? Let's just show it on the network. Dude, and, don't and sleep on Main Event. Don't sleep on Main Event. That's where we ended up getting, that's where Zia Lee was honing her craft, and all of a sudden, she started cooking? I don't Yeah. I, that's true that's out of true. nowhere so uh, something i've learned is that main events got some value we might not watch it but there somebody out there that's wrestling on main event is now seeing what they did with xylee is seeing what they're doing with cedric alexander and being like maybe maybe if i show out here maybe i get a chance did you see the uh, cedric alexander gable Stevenson? oh my god moment? yes <laughs> gable Stevenson. Dude, they need to turn that kid heel immediately. Absolutely, yep. Absolutely. He is not going to be a face. Not a chance. How? So this is not on the show notes either, but this is like a little detour right here. Welcome With to Gable Wrestling Stevenson. is Cool, dude, where we just talk about whatever. The show notes are just sort of there. Uh, but with Gable Stevenson, man, how would you go about bringing him in? Because they've tried. They, they tried at WrestleMania. They gave him that spot with Chad Gable. But that didn't resonate well. Then they tried the NXT route and the underground thing. And while it was a cool visual, nobody gave a crap. So how do you bring in Gable Stevenson? I mean, you you lost the opportunity to bring him in as a babyface. The crowd uh, has already determined that they do not like this guy. They are going to boo him into oblivion. And what's weird to me is that they already had this blueprint set out that worked with Kurt Angle before. Where mm -hmm. Kurt Angle's like, yeah, but I'm an American hero. They're not going to boo me. Yeah, they're going to boo you because you're going to be way better than them. You're going you're gonna to have this aura of I am your hero because I am better than you. They need to do that with Gable Steveson. They just need to, rather than trying to fight the, the ice on the road, you just need to steer into it because the, the crowd is going to take over. The NXT crowd, I would argue, is, is significantly more wrestling savvy than yeah. the average uh fan of the wwe universe and like the main shows and they are going to dictate the pace for this man's career if you're going to have him on nxt shows it's to the point where it seems like they're keeping him away from there because they know that the nxt crowd is going to dictate what they want to do with this guy which is to turn him heel they will eat him alive if they try to force something down there it just won't work
It won't. I mean, they tried. It was the Baron Corbin versus. Uh, and, that was. <laughs> and dude, like, there's aside from Jinder Mahal right now, and we'll talk about that in a second. There's no better guy to be the babyface against than Baron Corbin. Now, mind you, I've started to fall in love with Baron Corbin, but in that time. If you wanted to get somebody over, if you wanted to make sure that the babyface was more beloved than the heel, put him against Baron Corbin. And Baron Corbin was treated like he was Mother Teresa in that match. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. He was beloved in that one. Oh, man. Just, there's there's no I, – I don't think there's any chance for Gable Steveson as a face. Like you said, you got to bring him in heel. You got to do something and maybe partner him with somebody else. Like – I don't know. His brother is right there in NXT. If you want to introduce him in a tag team, you could. Damon Kemp could be called up with him, and you could have a couple of brothers. You just blew my mind. Yes, they're, they're, I didn't know they were brothers, and now... Oh, really? Yeah, they definitely look a lot alike. <laughs> Absolutely. They literally got the, the same body shape. The same Absolutely. exact body type. <laughs> this episode of Wrestling is Cool is sponsored by Factor. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service that sends delicious meals right to your door. And we're talking like delicious, like chef-made meals, nothing like frozen or lazy. Because if you're anything like me, then meal prepping has probably been a huge headache for you. I mean, at least it has been for me, and I've been able to completely get that off of my list. Also for me personally, I've been on a weight loss journey and Factor has helped in that tremendously because I'm not ordering bad food in the middle of the night because there's always delicious ready-made meals right in my fridge that were delivered right to my door. Because I'm trying to lose weight, I always order from their calorie smart options, which are meals that are 550 calories or less. But they've got different types of meals for everyone. If you want meals with a lot of protein, they got options. If you want meals that are vegan, or vegetarian, they've got options there to cover you as well. This is one of those sponsors that I can personally vouch that they have significantly improved this aspect of my life. And because they're sponsoring the show, you can head over to factormeals.com slash Santi50 and use code Santi50 to get 50% off. That's code Santi50 at factormeals.com slash Santi50 to get 50% off your first box. Once you do that, you'll be well on your way to having delicious ready-made meals delivered right to your door. Thank you to Factor for sponsoring Wrestling is Cool Now. Back to the episode. Uh, let me wrangle this back in. So we got so many people in the main event scene. Do you see anybody here getting overshadowed? And I'll jump in first because the first one that I'm already seeing this is none other than mid-card event Jey Uso. This man, main event Jey Uso has, is just not a thing anymore. This man is now on a direct path, in my opinion, to Gunther's Intercontinental Championship in some mm -hmm. way, shape, or form, which, as you said, Gunther in that championship is a quasi-main event, and it has the prestige to be that. And I think this is, when people talk about how deep WWE is, they only talk about the main event scene, but what you mentioned, Ludwig Kaiser, Kofi Kingston, Jey Uso's down there, Gunther is down there. Mm -hmm. I think that this jam-packed main event scene is going to perhaps trickle these main event stars down into the um uh into the mid-card like a Jey Uso to help even elevate the prestige of that even more so I don't know Which if it's the way it used to be right like it, it used to be that way with the IC title you would have main event stars fighting for it and you'd have up-and-comers fighting for it it was just how you elevated the prestige can I tell you why I think it's different though okay I think it's different because back then and this is somebody that doesn't work in wrestling. This is just my perception as a fan. It always felt like a demotion. Okay. That's fair. now 
if I have Rey Mysterio going after the US title, I'm like, yes, let's go. If, 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 dude, if at any moment CM Punk's like, I'm going for Gunther, I'm like, that's not a demotion. Let's go, dude. Right. Now, remember when, like, uh, Seth, uh, not Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns won the United States Championship and he got roasted by John Cena. Like, you took that as a demotion. That's how I felt about those titles back then when, when a main event guy would win it. Now okay. I feel like those titles have enough prestige where it's they they aren't just dependent on the person that's carrying it. The title itself has enough prestige to elevate the person as well. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, I, I guess that is how it used to run, right? If you got sent to the IC title, you know, it, your time in the main event was probably done if you had already been up there. So that, that's a good way to look at that. So it is a little different uh, in 2024 for sure. Uh, Gunther has done a wonderful job at making it feel that way, though. Um, and I was actually just listening to, before we came on here, listening to you and Steve last week in the podcast, and I heard you talking about his 500-day reign and how titles, you know, uh, there's maybe too long of championship reigns in, in the current day and age of WWE, but Gunther is one of those that he took the belt from being, okay, it's the intercontinental title to a main event level, right? And And it was perfectly timed at a time where Roman Reigns was gone, where we didn't have the World Heavyweight Championship. Mm -hmm. So I think not only was it Gunther elevating it because he's awesome and having fantastic matches, I also do think that it was a bit of a perfect storm of the only, the only other, he, that was the title for a bit. When Roman yeah. wasn't there, the top yeah, title when, was the IC Rod title. Didn't have a, when Rod didn't have a championship, that was the one um, for, for a hot minute there, too. It was main eventing uh, shows. Like, this, I think back to the stuff with him and Chad Gable or him and Ricochet, just uh, the great matches that were put on at the time. Um, yeah, it, the IC title been elevated big time, thanks to Gunther. Now, when we talk about the main event scene, we can't forget one guy. It seems like we're hindering him, honestly, by not talking about him right now. And that would be Jinder Mahal. Because where is this coming from? <laughs> where, I don't know. Where, I don't like, know. He's got segments with The Rock. Now he's got himself a championship match with Seth Rollins. Is Jinder Mahal a Triple H guy? It seems like maybe it was Vince holding him down. <laughs> you know, like if we look back, Jinder Mahal and Seth Rollins was the first NXT championship match. And I think Triple H just has a little chub right now for Jinder Mahal. He's like, we don't have that many heels on Raw, you know, heels, heels that people truly don't like. Jinder is one of those guys. Nobody wants to root for Jinder. And if you need proof, take a look at the reaction to when a former WWE champion came out and the crowd just, you can hear the collective, oh... My favorite thing is watching people go from having their phones up to just <laughs> it's it's not not who I thought it was. Do you think but, Ginger yeah. is going to play that Baron Corbin role like a true heel that everyone hates? 100%. And I think that's what they're morphing him into. And, you know, kudos to Triple H for looking at his roster like this, because Ginger does have the look. He maybe doesn't have the best in-ring persona or even uh, ability, if you will, but as a whole, you know, the package is there. He, he's got that heel heat. People don't want to root for him. So if you have, say, Seth Rollins, who's essentially just been going against baby faces during his run, you now have somebody to root uh, for, or sorry, root against in Seth Rollins, right? You can root against Jinder Mahal for Seth Rollins is what I'm trying to say here. And that hasn't happened really during his run yet. And kudos to Jinder. My man's been kind of serving up a dish on the mic. He's shockingly been quite good on the microphone yeah he has and like he stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with the rock 
Like, <laughs> not many people can say that. Like, yeah, sure, Rock did his shtick, but, like, Jinder didn't look out of place, which I think is huge, and it's why he's going to get that uh, world title match now. Do you think it's it's a symptom of the Triple H being too good at booking heels, thus making them too cool? Like Nakamura, so cool right now. Anime, evil, uh, Yakuza, evil Nakamura, badass. I love rooting for that guy. Uh, Drew McIntyre, badass. Love rooting for that guy. Roman Reigns has had that aura of badass for a really long time. I think maybe Triple H is just too good at booking heels, thus making them kind of like anti-heroes almost in a sense, which makes you mm-hmm. kind of want to root for them. Meanwhile, Jinder's just like, nah, fuck you. <laughs> we don't, we're not, there's nothing you yeah. can do to make us root for Jinder. <laughs> so it's like the perfect opponent for Seth Rollins. It really is. And I think Triple H is almost having this new philosophy when it comes to booking. Yeah, you got your baby faces. Yeah, you got your heels. But then you have people who are justified in their actions. You know, you have Drew McIntyre who... Yeah, he's playing a heel, more or less, but at the same time, everything that comes out of his mouth is justified. If you want to look into it, CM Punk has come back and he's beloved by the fans. Seth Rollins is becoming justified in the things he is saying, going against a babyface. So it's almost like we have this third subsection of booking by Triple H. He's got the the buffer in between. It's like, I don't truly want to turn this guy fully, fully heel, so let's give him a reason for his actions. But I think that that in itself sometimes causes fans to be like, oh, yeah, so now I'm going to root for you, which is why I think a lot of people, uh, even though I do think it's like objectively a very good championship reign, Seth Rollins is, but a lot of people have been rooting against him because it's like, yeah, dude, Finn Balor is right. Seven years of agony. What the hell? I want Finn Balor to win. Nakamura. What are you are you kidding me? This guy's not been used in the main roster. Yeah, of course he's gonna snap. Of course I'm gonna root for Nakamura. Drew McIntyre, the guy that didn't get a chance to celebrate in front of fans because of the pandemic and carried the company during this awful time. Yeah, of course he's gonna be pissed. I'm rooting for Drew McIntyre. I think it has a bit of a reverse effect sometimes where it's just like sure. i'm supposed to root for seth i want to root for seth but you're giving better stories better narratives and better reasons for their actions as you said to the heel and i think yes. that that this is why gender plays such a nice role and and like it's still important to have those defined baby faces and defined heels in wrestling like no doubt about it It's just interesting to think that this is the progress that we're seeing with WWE and almost morphing into this new era where you're not necessarily just having straight good guy to bad guy turns, right? You're going to be justified along the way. Like Drew McIntyre, everything that you just said, why wouldn't he be pissed? He is in the right, but that doesn't necessarily make him a bad guy in the grand scheme of things, right? So I see what you're saying, that it could definitely derail some booking and make people start rooting for the quote-unquote heel as opposed to the face but it's also a very unique way to get some mega matches happening where you have the crowd split i think back to john cena versus aj styles right aj styles and cena had those dueling chants let's go cena aj styles if wwe can find a way to replicate that type of feeling across their card for whatever world title match they have could create some really good tv I mean, and speaking of uh, creating major matches, um, so I thought they were going to set up Jinder Mahal to be Seth Rollins' Royal Rumble opponent because Seth Rollins hasn't missed a PLE all year. 
He's had mm. a match at every single PLE in 2023. With and a I'm, broken back. With, uh, yes. Oh, my goodness. A horrible That's back. That, now. I mean, it's. I feel like it was a Fugazi this entire time. I feel like we were bamboozled. This was just a, a ruse. Um, so I see him having a match at the Royal Rumble. Obviously not the Royal Rumble match because he's the champion. And if not Jinder Mahal, who are we expecting for him to have a match against, if any at all? Because Drew announced for the Rumble, Punk announced for the Rumble, Cody announced for the Rumble. What are we thinking? I'm going to go in a completely different route. I'm not sure if we're actually going to get a world title match at the Rumble. I'm looking at the card. You got the Women's Rumble, you got the Men's Rumble, you got the Fatal 4-Way, and you've got um, possibly Rhea versus Nia right there. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. No, Nia announced for the Rumble. Oh, Nia's announced for the Rumble? Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so that's I, I think that's going to be okay. a, an Australia match. Okay, got that. Yeah, that would be a big match over there uh, for Rhea especially. Um, but I think we're going to see Seth Rollins sitting ringside for the Royal Rumble for the entirety of it. And I think the moment that CM Punk's music hits, we are going to get that stare down and the tension the entire way through. And then you're going to have, say, Cody in the Rumble. And I know everybody is like, Cody's going after Roman Reigns, but we can't forget how many times Cody and Seth have been teased along the way. So if you add Seth Rollins at ringside watching this, I think it creates that, that hype level for WrestleMania, you know? And when, I, I believe this will happen, when CM Punk wins the Royal Rumble, that stare down of Punk pointing at the Royal Rumble sign and Rollins sitting there, maybe stands up along the way in a slow clap, could be really, really cool to see. Oh, I like the visual you just created, but it's also now got me thinking about Seth Rollins potentially interfering and eliminating Punk, kind of like how uh, Brock Lesnar eliminated Goldberg in the middle of the Rumble when he was the favorite. Dude, <laughs> and I, I was just literally watching Royal Rumble 2005 last night when... Uh, I think it was Kurt Angle came back and eliminated Shawn Michaels there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's we been could a, see something like that. That's yeah. that's a that's a timeless wrestling trope to have to to set up the WrestleMania match that way. I could definitely see a world where that happens. Man, speaking of CM Punk, he's been on this uh, world tour. I mean, uh, this is what I'm calling it: the CM Punk World Tour. It started because now we're getting CM Punk versus Drew McIntyre, presumably. At Elimination Chamber. I feel like that'd be a big match for Elimination Chamber since they're both in the Rumble. So I want to ask you the question of who else do you want to see be part of the CM Punk Return World Tour? Who do we need him to have feuds against? Maybe one-off matches against? What do we need to see from CM Punk? Because I'm going to throw one out there for you. Jinder Mahal. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't want to <laughs> see that. <laughs> but maybe. Dude, now that you spoke it, now that you spoke it, it's going to happen. I hope you know that. And everybody's going to be able to blame Santi for that one. I have one name that came to mind when I saw this question, and it's already been teased ever so slightly and that's Kevin Owens. Mm. I think Kevin Owens and CM Punk could create magic with the right story being told, with Kevin Owens saying how much, like you could essentially do the same thing that Seth Rollins is saying, how much he loves this place, how much he's been here for it. You haven't been here, it's my home. You could replicate that story, but I think the promo battles alone between Kevin Owens and CM Punk would be fantastic. And it's as close to CM Punk versus Stone Cold, I think that we're gonna get, Unless somehow WWE can find a way to get CM Punk versus Stone Cold, the dream match that was teased all the way back in that, I think WWE 2K14, yeah. maybe 13, whatever it was, that promo package with Jim Ross doing the interview between the two of them. 
I have wanted to see Stone Cold CM Punk well before then. So if we could get that, it would be insane. I'm with you. I'm going to take it a little bit of a different route because I do love CM Punk. He's one of my favorites of all time. But I also still, to this day, still feel a little bit of resentment for him leaving the WWE. So yeah. I want to see him get chopped into oblivion for a bit by Gunther. I feel like it needs to be like... The, the 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 lashings for what he has done to us fans. I still think he, he'd probably end up winning that Literally program. You got it right now. Yeah, you got Gunther it right, right there. there. Gunther, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Gunther. I Didn't need, say his name though. <laughs> Gunta. I need him to leave CM Punk with a bloody chest so that then the 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 demons and we can we can finally exercise those and say, okay, CM Punk, you have paid your dues. You have you have you have accepted the Gunther beating, and now we can move past what you've did, done. <laughs> you've you finally, uh, what was it? The uh, the Dusty Roads. You went through your hard times. Yes. <laughs> you finally went through your hard times. You can win the title now. <laughs> There's no harder times than Gunther chops. For it's no. like, dear God, uh, another guy that I wouldn't mind seeing him against. I think like there's obvious ones. There's Seth Rollins, obviously, which we're already kind of seeing. Roman Reigns would be nice. I wouldn't mind a Logan Paul feud. That could be good. Mostly because I feel like Logan Paul represents everything that CM Punk hates about the world of professional wrestling. The glamour, yeah. the glitz, the getting over pushed to the moon a la The Miz. And he's been very vocal about people like The Miz, people that just haven't put in the time, sweat and tears in the ring, being an independent wrestler, getting put through thumbtacks and tables, getting the limelight. And Logan Paul represents a lot of that. Absolutely. You know what? That could be a money feud. Now that you're saying that out loud, that if dialed in right, if that's the story that is told, that you've got this social media megastar versus basically the king of the indies, uh, you know, that would be really, really good TV. Dude, uh, Matt Cardona right now is very upset that you just called CM Punk the king of the indies. What is that? <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. That's sorry. the right, indie right. taker <laughs> that you just that's did. That's the indie taker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Gimmick infringement. My apologies. <laughs> oh, man. Well, speaking of gimmicks, we might be seeing gimmicks gracing your Amazon Prime subscription sometime yeah. soon. We have potential that the WWE is going to sell the Monday Night Raw rights to Amazon. And in terms of details about this, they're still pretty murky. In terms of where it would air, that in itself is pretty murky because Amazon has um, has obviously Prime Video. Uh, Amazon has Prime Video and then subscriptions within Prime Video. It could be a, a situation where they, if you have Prime Video, you have to pay more to get WWE. Uh, maybe on Twitch, Amazon owns Twitch.tv. Maybe we see a world where Twitch somehow is the one that airs uh, Monday Night Raw. You think that sounds crazy? Don't don't believe that because Thursday Night Football was aired on Twitch for a while there. Hell, it was aired on Twitter for a while. So these are things that could potentially happen. So when you hear Amazon potentially getting the rights to Monday Night Raw, as somebody that streams co-casting um, Monday Night Raw, Friday Night Smackdown, alongside myself and other content creators on Twitch, what comes to mind? Well, first thing that came to mind was a bit of a shiver. I was like, oh, sh are we really doing this? Like, are we moving off of TV where it's been in the households of people for, God, 30 years, 40 years? How long now? Like, it has been WWE Monday Night Raw for a long time on TV. So first thought is, are people going to seek out Monday Night Raw if it's not on their TV? I think the wrestling fans will, but the casuals, I'm a little more worried about the channel flickers, you know? But as a creator, selfishly, 
this could be really, really good for us. I, the ability to potentially do watch parties on Twitch might uh, might be the future of wrestling watch-alongs. It, it might actually be. The Prime subscription could come with a lot of benefits as well if, say, WWE Shop was merged with Amazon Prime. That'd be huge. If, if you could get uh, Prime two-day, one-day shipping for anything from WWE Shop, I think that would be the biggest thing of this partnership. We got to think big brain. We, we can't just think TV rights. You know, Amazon alone and their their platform that they have could provide a lot of cool opportunities. Um, new items, new merch items that we never thought were a thing before. So from the merch side of things, could be really, really good. From the streamer side of things, could be really good. From the viewer side, I'm not certain how this is going to be received. In my opinion, this is where every major sports and entertainment organization is eventually going to go. I think that they know that the end goal is to get on streaming services, NBA, NFL, MLB, yep. at some point or another, but it's really early still. There's Even though television uh, watching and ratings are down because there's just less people watching TV, doesn't change the fact that it's still a major focal point for all of these brands because that's still where a lot of eyeballs are. But I do yep. believe that streaming services is the end goal, whether it's 10, 15 years from now. I However, agree with you. The yeah. WWE has always been a trailblazer in getting to those places before everyone else. Before everyone decided to create their own streaming platform, who did it first? That would be the WWE Network. WWE Network. We go before that. Boxing, sure, was on pay-per-view every once in a while when a big Mike Tyson fight would happen. But who decided to create the monthly pay-per-view model? Vince McMahon. The WWE. They are trailblazers when it comes to these things. And organizations like Amazon are probably more willing to take a risk on the WWE paying $5 billion over, you know, like whatever, six, seven years, five years, whatever it might be, than paying $20 billion for the NFL and seeing if it works. I think that this could be the first foot in the water to see how the how warm it is. And the NFL is going to be looking. MLB is going to be oh, looking. Yeah. NBA is going to be looking. How is this going to translate to revenue? Because I you know, know a lot of people were in the industry were scared when they went to the WWE Network because it's like, well, what about our pay-per-view buy money? That's fucking pennies now compared to what the WWE Network is bringing. So yes, I think this is scary, but I do think it's the next step that all of these brands are taking and the WWE is just going to be the first one to do it. The, the really cool thing with WWE is you have a built-in fan base that is going to watch no matter what, and they're going to seek out the product no matter what. And sure, you got that with football, and you got that with the NBA, or anything. You got it with the NHL. But to the level of hardcore fans that the WWE has, we'll go and watch it anywhere. We really will. So this idea of testing out the waters on Amazon, it is cool that WWE is able to do this, able to test out the waters and kind of be the guinea pig for everybody else, kind of like you were for the uh, the wrestling community of streamers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if they're able to test out those waters, you're right, NFL could follow and it could be the big place. Twitch is in a spot where they need like that type of content now, you know? Yeah, you've got all your streamers that are regularly on there, but you're not drawing in casual viewers who are just flicking to Twitch to throw on a TV show, right? If WWE was on there and they had that deal signed where Twitch was airing it, 
that would drive a lot of viewers, I would say. Uh, without a doubt, undoubtedly it would drive. Like, it's all about like, how do you monetize that? Right. I still think even though streaming services and, and streaming sites like Twitch have been around for a while, that they're still in their infancy stage compared well, to TV. Like, how, how often do you get asked what is Twitch? Like when you tell people in your real life what you do, like how many people don't have a clue? Almost all of them. Right. Yeah, <laughs> almost so all still of them. very new. Not most people over the age of, I'd say, 33 don't sure. know what Twitch is. Um, you know, maybe you'll say 35, depending on where you're at. But, you know, I certainly know a good chunk of 40-year-olds who don't have a clue what it is. My parents' generation definitely doesn't have a clue what it is. I, I had to sit them down and explain how to create an account. So they don't know how to do that. It's just, yeah, that would draw in a lot of people if you brought in WWE to Twitch, especially if you don't need Amazon Prime to watch it. Yeah, and and for for a place like Amazon, I feel like, a programming like WWE programming that is inherently created with the idea of there being ad breaks is huge because yep. if you look at most Amazon shows or anything that Amazon has purchased, like the Lord of the Rings, for example, to have on there, it's just to, for, for the episode to go from beginning to end, no ad breaks in between. Right. Yep. Meanwhile, the WWE is a show that is designed to have ad breaks. So not only can a place like Amazon generate revenue from people purchasing their Prime subscriptions, but then it could generate revenue within the actual show itself by selling advertisement because we're already used to there being advertisements in the show. Absolutely, and that's the way of the future for live programming, I would say. You're gonna have burnt-in ads uh, with a live chat or something like that, and they're just gonna make bank off of people that they weren't making money off of before. And that's gotta be the big way of thinking of it. Imagine um, WWE is streaming this and they've got like donation alerts. They got text to speech. <laughs> well, like here, we let, let's, let's just jump into that just for a split second. They're on Twitch. You know, WWE's got their own watch along on Twitch and maybe this is the progress that they were thinking. They put a watch along on Twitch. We're gonna get the actual, uh, actual WWE show on Twitch, and these guys are going to react to it with the show going on. It, that's a possibility. That could be their big brain thinking. They got a lot of work to do, but it uh, it could be the direction that they're moving in. And I just think that it's, it's like I said, I think it's the end goal for all of these companies, and the WWE is just sticking their flag first, and every other company is just is just going to be patiently looking to see, okay, is this going to bomb? Is it is is it going to to explode to to revenues that they've never seen before, like the WWE Network uh, did for the WWE all those years ago? So I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on this decision, but it's just it's fascinating that in 2024 we're already in this world where a show that regularly does millions and millions of viewers on a weekly basis is already willing to make that jump to sacrifice well, those those TV viewers and and explore the other avenues and future proof themselves. I think this is and, and what's funny too is that I think this future proofs themselves while still keeping their foot into the traditional world by selling NXT to CW and SmackDown to NBC. It's like, we're doing it, but not really. We're, we're dipping our toes yeah. in the water. Raw's always been the flagship show. So we're gonna start with Raw, test it out, and then go from there. If it fails, all right, well, we'll go back to TV. But if it doesn't, we're gonna bring everything else with us. All right, let's uh, move on here. Um, so a con, WWE has been cooking recently. AEW? hasn't been its best, but it's still been quite good. TNA's been crushing it. New Japan just had Wrestle Kingdom. So I want to put you on. Show. What's that? It was a good show. 
I wouldn't know. I fell asleep. I know, dude. <laughs> you fell asleep halfway <laughs> through it. And the worst part is, is I like, um, for, for those that don't know me, Khan and a bunch of other wrestling content creators got into this discord call. We were watching new Japan. I just fell asleep. And then I, I sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I, I looked at you. It was like maybe a half hour into it. Feet were up on the table. <laughs> lights were down. I'm like, there's no way this man's making it all the way through. And then maybe about 20 minutes later, the face cam went off. Uh, yeah. And then the, the muted mic button popped up. And then you disappeared from the call. We're like, he's gone. See ya. <laughs> I was there for a good chunk of it. I was just shirtless. And... <laughs> Dude on. got comfy in his chair. I got real comfy. I got real comfy. I was like, I can't be on camera for this. If I'm going to make it through a few hours of Wrestle Kingdom, I'm, I, I need to get real comfy. I need to get my boxers. You should have put the black bar. You, oh, you oh yes. You, I should have done that. Um, but I woke up at like 8 a.m. I'm like, oh, shit. And then I go back to like the show. Dude, I fell asleep when it like got good. <laughs> you, you fell asleep right before Ziggler came out. I know. Out. I like literally right before Ziggler came out. That's the, I think I was awake for the entrances of the guys in that tag match. Yeah. And then I clonked out of sleep. Yeah, I bet you we could go back and find the exact moment that we saw that mute button go up. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, with all these things cooking in the world of professional wrestling, what's your, your favorite thing going on right now? Whether it's a storyline, whether it's like an on-screen storyline, off-screen business-related storyline, program, what's your favorite thing going on in the world of professional wrestling at the moment? the state of the baby faces i i love that we actually have multiple multiple people that we can root for wrestling for a hot period there we had one baby face that would maybe get hot for a month or two and then they'd win something and they'd be cooled right off and it it felt like no baby faces were able to, able to get over to the level of they are now like i i love Sami Zayn, i truly do and that run that he had up against roman reigns last year to the elimination chamber was just it was magic i, I actually got to go to elimination chamber and see it in person so that holds a dear spot to me but seeing the baby faces rise of, say, L.A. Knight, of a Kevin Owens, of a Jey Uso, well, mid-card Jey Uso now. Uh, <laughs> you've, got, you've got all these guys that are rising up, and you've got a Seth Rollins now who's at the top of the card. And there's just so many good baby faces that you can sink your teeth into. It makes wrestling more fun. You know, when you've got the ability to root for somebody, or if you like the heel, you can root against the baby face and it doesn't feel like it's forced. You know, it, it has this feeling that wrestling is back when you're watching it. You know, you get that feeling of, oh, this is exciting. Not just another wrestling program. You know, I, I think back to when Drew McIntyre won the WWE championship, the follow-up with say Bobby Lashley and Drew, that was like forced for a hot while. Cause like, why would we cheer Drew at that point? He just won the title. You didn't give us anything new, right? It was just Drew was Drew and Bobby was Bobby. And But now there's reasons for disliking individuals or there's reasons for liking people or there's reasons that people are justified like a Drew McIntyre. So yeah, I, I think as a whole, the best thing about wrestling to me is just that I can root for baby faces and not feel like I'm just a, a pleb, you know? Like, oh, yay, go baby face dude number one. You know, it's, yeah. it's actually like, I like Cody Rhodes. I like Sami Zayn. I, I like Kevin Owens. I, I like LA Knight. I, I like what they're doing. Yeah, for for a while there, especially in like that late 2000 period, early 20, uh, 2010s, if you like the baby faces, you were a little bitch boy. 
That's basically exactly. what, that, that was what The Rock made it seem to be like. Oh, you like John Cena? What are you, a grown adult that likes Fruity Pebbles, you little bitch? That's what it yeah. felt like. But then on the reverse side of things, if you like the heels, a lot of people were just like, oh, you're just a mark. You're just a counterculture. Why would you root for Alberto Del Rio over over CM Punk, right? Things like that. Who, who roots for Alberto <laughs> Del Rio? Maybe one person in that gym that he's wrestling in now. You know what that makes me think of? Uh, the Family Guy ostrich. Just, aha! <laughs> so, uh, sorry, that completely derailed my train of thought, the Family Guy ostrich. Um, but nowadays, uh, they both have reasons and motivations for you to want to root for them. I think it is entirely logical to root for the babyface because they've got a good motivation. Yeah. I think it is entirely logical to root for the heels because they've got good not motivations, usually good justifications for their justifications, actions, yeah. which I think really adds a really great dynamic when you're watching wrestling as a group, seeing where everyone's allegiances stand. Like think back to that feud of Nakamura versus Seth Rollins. That was mm -hmm. that was divisive. So many people were on the Nakamura bandwagon that was the most, and, and all they did was create good justifications for him and tweak his character, but that was the most over he's ever been, even including when he won the Royal Rumble. Yeah, I mean, the best villains have a reason, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what form of entertainment you're watching, whether it be movie, TV shows, uh, live theater, you name it. The best villains have true justification behind it. And everybody we've seen, at least I'd want to say in the last eight months, who's been a villain has a reason, like a good reason behind it. I mean, you mentioned that there we're towards the end of the show. If you're watching this already, first of all, you're obviously into the show. You like this and it doesn't matter what we talk about now. You're probably going to watch till the end because we're at 50 minutes. Con, what is your favorite TV villain? Favorite TV villain or, or, or the best TV villain, movie villain. I just want to hear your thoughts. I know I put you on the spot here. Yeah, it's, it's a little on the spot, but uh, right off the top of my head, I don't know if this is actually true if I was to put more thought into it, but the Joker always comes to mind. Sure. Like, like, I, you know, those Batman movies are just incredible. Uh, so the Joker and his his presentation uh, in that came to mind. I, I'd probably go and say him. Uh, as I'm thinking through some of my other favorite TV shows, uh, they're probably... No, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go Joker. Yeah, okay. we'll go Joker. I don't think uh, anybody tops the Joker. No, nah, Joker's is like the probably like the tippity top i think like if we're looking at the iceberg if i'm looking at t at tv you can make the argument of walter white being being a villain if you've watched breaking I, bad you know what that was an amazing show i lost way too much sleep in college over that one dude i was every waking moment through like yeah. 2013 that's all everyone could talk about and understandably so that show was amazing it is so dude, good it's one of the it few was, shows that was actually able to end it you know cherry yeah. on top yeah so many shows fumbled game of thrones dexter fumbled and breaking bad was just like nah perfection yeah. we're gonna we're gonna give you the perfect ending like i actually was so happy that i got into breaking bad at the time that i did because it was in a time where i was creating minecraft youtube videos and nice. if you know anything about minecraft it takes a lot of freaking time to do anything whether you got to go out and get something and build something so i threw on these episodes of breaking bad and be like two three episodes during the course of recording an episode i'd be like all right five minutes here break for an hour watch an episode and then another five minutes recorded back to the it'd be three four five in the morning i'd look out the sun would be almost rising and i'm like oh man i got 
to get to bed. I got class tomorrow. Dude, that show's so good. Did you ever, did you watch the, the prequel Better Call Saul? No, I haven't, but it's on the list. It arguably, looks really good. Arguably better than Breaking Bad. Arguably. Really, eh? I don't okay. think so. I don't think so. But if somebody sat down in front of me and I let them talk me into it, I would, okay, I understand your reasons because it is, it is, I think it's as good as Breaking Bad. So well, you got moving that up the list then. It's going to be on the TV before you know it. Better Call Saul is fantastic. All right, back to the show. Uh, as many people know here, we love wrestling. We think that wrestling is cool. So much so that we believed in calling the uh, the podcast Wrestling is Cool. And we always have a segment in the show where we get to geek out about what we like in the world of professional wrestling today. Uh, so if you're watching this on YouTube, I want you to leave a comment about the thing that you think that wrestling, the thing that you think is cool in wrestling right now. Because for me, it's the big meat segments on Monday Night Raw. The kaiju battles. I, it's Dude, it's been like six straight weeks of Monday Night Raw where we get some sort of combination of Otis, Bronson Reed, and Ivar. Just big, just at a butcher shop. Big so meaty much men meat. slapping meat. The, the meatiest of segments. I love it. And they are so incredibly talented. They are allowed to... Be wrestlers as opposed to just be like, I'm big. They just happen to be big, but also are fantastic professional wrestlers. And they've been getting to showcase this on a week by week basis. And it's almost always match of the night for Monday Night Raw. Yeah. <laughs> almost well, always. Ivar. Let, let's give Ivar his flowers, right? Yes. Like Ivar has been so good. Sure, Eric getting injured isn't a good thing, but any injury opens up an opportunity, especially in a tag team. And Ivar has taken that. Yeah, do you think that, I don't know, like, is there room for Eric when he comes back? With so how much Ivor's been cooking? I did my I did my predictions for all of Raw superstars uh, just the other day, and <laughs> I said in five words or less, and somehow the first one out of my mouth was six words. But anyways, uh, Ivar, I think, is going to surpass Eric, and to the point where Eric returns, I don't know if he gets put on TV. Like, I think it might be a, a while before Eric is there. In fact, I said for Ivar, my prediction is he's going to have a singles match at WrestleMania. I don't know what it would be in, but if there's usually some sort of multi-man match uh, for a mid-card title, whether that is the United States title or the IC title or neither, I don't know if it will be, but um, I could see him partaking in a multi-man IC or US title match if they were to do it. What about just a big meaty slap fest? Just all the big guys. Good. Just all of them. The, the meat royale. <laughs> the meat royale. <laughs> Let's throw everyone in there. That's the opposite got, of the Slim Oba Jim. Femi. We got Oba oh. Femi. We got Omos. We got uh, Otis. We've got Ivar. Uh, who else we got in there? Bronson Reed. In? Bronson Reed. Um, gosh, is there any other big, big dudes right now? You got Odyssey Jones. Um, <laughs> yeah, somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Somewhere. Knows where he's at. <laughs> uh, yeah. Con, what do you think is cool about wrestling these days? For me, what's really, really cool is that, like I said before, I didn't grow up in a place where wrestling was on TV. And I'm now in a position where it's my job, so wrestling is always on. But my fiance Becca, she doesn't like wrestling. She just she's never been into it. It's not her thing. But when I throw a women's match on, the the thing that stands out is how relatable a lot of these women's characters are in 2024, even in 2023. 
you can see a lot of female fans who never watched wrestling before are starting to gravitate towards the product. And it's making it feel easier to be a wrestling fan if you throw on, say, a, a women's match or a, a multi-person match on the TV because that draws the eyes of your significant other and it makes the wrestling household feel like it's actually a household. So for me, it's really cool that wrestling in the women's division is being focused on um, and that you're creating these relatable characters. You know, Becky Lynch obviously is the big one, but across the board, you've got people like Chelsea Green who are drawing a reaction from individuals. And I, I kid you not, it was on the other day and Becca just goes, Chelsea Green, who is that lady? Like she just caught her attention. She's like, I like that person. Who is she? And then she's like, oh, her tag team partner's kind of cool seeing Piper next to her. And just that little thing, that's how fans are created, right? So this focus on women's wrestling, which is something that has never really been focused on before and being presented in such a big way, that's probably my favorite thing going on right now. That's awesome. Dude, I had that similar moment with my girlfriend a few years ago uh, where I was watching uh, NXT and she's like, whoa, who is that guy with the amazing entrance? Look at all the colors. I was like, that's the best wrestler in NXT right now. He's going to be a huge thing. His name is the Velveteen Dream. Don't forget that name. And we, I, she fell in love with the Velveteen well, Dream. Well, you, you, you can tell her that some people want him back. <laughs> uh, she, dude, to this day, she still wears a, the Velveteen Dream shirt that I got her. Because I mean, she doesn't connect. She, she does no. She, I can't. I I don't have it in my heart. The one thing in wrestling that she likes, I cannot tell her. I cannot tell her about it. <laughs> Has she asked you where's that Velveteen Dream guy? I, no, I, I, no. I mean, no. It, 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 it was mostly because um, it, she she caught like a glimpse of NXT. Then I went to NXT Takeover Toronto two, and she actually went with me. Velveteen Dream had an awesome uh, triple right. threat match with Roddy Strong and Pete Dunne, and like. To, she likes the grandioseness of wrestling, like the super over the topness, mm -hmm. like fireworks, awesome entrances. She loves Charlotte Flair's entrances and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, she just gravitated to the Velveteen Dream, and understandably so. He was awesome back oh, dude, then. He, he was, was so awesome. good. Yeah, yeah, he was. People were labeling him as the next big star for WWE. Like John Cena was putting him over, like on, on Instagram. I'm pretty sure. Like it was just, yeah, he was the next big star, and then he just couldn't get out of his own way. Man. Do you think any wrestling company gives them a chance? Well, I mean, probably, you know, if there's money to be made, some wrestling company will. I don't think a major promotion will. Like, I think you see them pop up on the indies at some point. Man, what a, what a tragic story that was. Yeah. That's Unfortunate. Brutal. Unfortunate. Well, nothing like an episode of Wrestling is Cool ending it on a horrible note with the <laughs> Velveteen Dream. Con, what are you working on these days? Just streaming a lot. Like, it doesn't ever stop. The grind never ends. But live with Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, uh, sometimes Collision, which I, I somehow got wrapped into doing this past Saturday. I'm live all the time, and I've also got my WWE 2K series going on over on Kick. Uh, we've got this series where basically you, the viewers, are able to create a character, submit the character, and if you get added into the series, we create storylines for you. We have championships, we have matchups, and we have all that stuff. It's basically our own little E-Fed, and nice. that runs on Wednesdays and Friday nights on Kick. Nice, yeah. Kick streamer over here, folks. One of the pioneers <laughs> of kick streaming. <laughs> <Yeet>. <laughs> um, is WWE 2K a fighting game? 
You know what? It is now, man. It God is now. And right. I, I, have, I have a feeling that some of your viewers could uh, make you Mr. 2K if they wanted. Folks, I need you to vote for me. All right. I need you to vote for me for fighting game streamer of the year. <laughs> Dude, if I somehow end up winning that, the the Smash Bros players that stream that, Tekken, Street Fighter, they're going to be so they're fucking pissed. for your head. <laughs> uh, folks. Uh, oh, uh, what channels can they find you on? Uh, Conman167 across everywhere. I'm I'm Twitch, Kick, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. You can find me in all of those. Sounds good. All of those links will be down in the description of wherever it is that you're listening to this. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Wrestling is Cool. Once again, check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Santi's app. If you're already there, thank you so much for the support. If not, just know that you could have gotten this episode a few days early alongside far more wrestling content that you will never find in any free feeds like YouTube. So come check it out, patreon.com slash Santi's Thank you, Khan, for joining us for this episode. We thank will you. see you next week with a new guest host as we continue to make the rounds. Take care, everybody. Hey, folks, hopefully you enjoyed that episode of Wrestling is Cool with Khan. Please go check him out. He's a fantastic wrestling content creator. Now, this is the moment where we get to thank our patrons, our $15 tier patrons at the coolest tier uh, for being a producer on the show. So thank you very much to Abel Rodriguez, Aircraft, Ben Calloway, Ben Manlove, Blake Buxo, Cody Cook, we had Connor Williamson, Gavin Alvis, Jonathan Daly, Lil Shifu, Mason Lott, Michael Glass, Monte Moore, Nicholas Kyle, Reese Dowd, Rodolfo Reyes, Squishy, Super Malachi Galaxy, Two Crown, Wesley Simpson, Yellow Wantown. We had Zergzito. All of them are at the $15 Patreon tier. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast and my endeavors as a full-time wrestling content creator. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being a producer on the show. Hopefully you all enjoyed it.